Welcome listeners to Sleep, Eat, Perform and Repeat. This is a podcast on high performance. It will be presented by myself, David Clancy, and my two co-hosts, Connor Gavin and Kieran Dunn. What we're striving to achieve here is figure out what makes high-performing individuals tick, why they do what they do, and why are they successful. Rate and review, share with your friends, but most importantly, enjoy. Hey guys, next up in our Rugby World Cup series in association with the Limerick leader, we spoke to George Clancy, who's a professional rugby referee. So we chat to George about how he got into refereeing, how he prepares for big games, ongoing development within the professional referee circuit, his thoughts on concussion management and career progression as a referee. We get some advice from him for younger referees looking to develop themselves, how he shuts out external criticism and lessons from rugby to refereeing in other sports. So if you would like any more info on this episode or any of our others, just check out our website on sleepyperformrepeat.com and hope you enjoy the episode. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Sleep Eat, Perform, Repeat. Today we are speaking with rugby referee George Clancy, who I'm going to hand over to his namesake to introduce. George Clancy, actually um, a family member, a second cousin of mine. Thanks very much for coming on today, George. Uh, Obviously you're... You're a Limerick man like myself, been to St. Munchens, played rugby for Munchens and Bruff, played a hurling, played football. I didn't actually know you represented Limerick in hurling, so uh, that's great. And you've obviously had a very experienced and successful career as a rugby referee, George, for, for quite some time, starting off obviously in the AIL, worked your way through to Celtic League, Six Nations, Rugby Championship down in the Southern Hemisphere, and then obviously, I suppose, culminated with 2011 at the opening game between Tonga and New Zealand at the Rugby World Cup and you also featured and refereed at 2015 Rugby World Cup so you've had quite an interesting refereeing career alongside also working in the revenue and so forth so how's life and what are you doing at the moment George? Uh, Life is very good at the moment Um, I know you mentioned there that uh, the civil service job and uh, one of the great things about that is I was able to take a, a career break. So, believe it or not, I'm a full-time referee now for the last year or so. And uh, I have to say, I'm really enjoying the lifestyle. This is the first summer I've had off uh, in many, many years. And uh, it's absolutely glided by. You can definitely get used to this lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so are you on, are you on a beach there having a, having a mojito? Or what exactly are you doing this summer, George? Uh, no, I just kind of relax. It's been a long summer this year because the professional rugby season for Pro 14 is pushed back to the end of September. Yeah. So I've been off, we say, from professional rugby from the middle of May until my first match is the, the end of September. So uh, it's nice to get that, that extra break, all right. Uh, so I've been working hard in pre-season and uh, I'm talking to you now just after finishing a, a tough session here outside of the University of Limerick. So, George, you're obviously doing a, a nice bit of um, physical prep work ahead of the upcoming season. Are you training yourself, or do you have a coach that you go and train with, or do the referees train together? What way for just some of the listeners who wouldn't be familiar with the setup, how would you kind of run them through how it works? Yeah, so I'd be a member of the what we call the elite group of referees in Ireland, and we get great support from the, the IRFU on that. So we have a personal fitness trainer here who will set up individualised sessions for us and supervise those sessions for us a couple of times a week. We're out, as I said earlier on, in the University of Limerick and as you know yourself, that the facilities out here are second to none and we're, yeah. we're very lucky that Dave Mahidi has been so accommodating to us. 
Dave Mahidi, yeah, I know him well. And just for for the listeners again, a lot of people would often say, you know, refereeing would be one of the toughest jobs out there in any sort of sport, right? Why would people want to be a referee? What kind of drew you to being a referee, George, you know, all those years back and why you're still doing it today? What's what's the passion behind it? What drove you to be that the referee? Yeah, I suppose it's not something that anybody really sets out to do is to become a referee. You want to become a player and you want to play for the highest level that you can manage. And that for me was, as you mentioned earlier on, with Brough um, and in St. Munchens. I graduated onto our junior team in the late 90s there and uh, we had a successful team won the Junior Challenge Cup. But uh, I was picking up a few injuries here and there. wasn't really working out for me and I kind of drifted away from the game. But my dad, uh, Shorsha, uh, he had been a referee for a season or so himself back in the day. We'd have been talking about the laws of the game when we'd be watching matches on television and so on. And he probably saw something there that he said, maybe, look, why don't you give refereeing a go and stay involved in the game at some level? Um, and, you know, I said, which cases, you know, just get out there, suck it and see how you get on. Uh, pretty soon I was refereeing at a level that I had never played at. So I was refereeing, a, a, like, a big thrill for me. It was my first ever senior, Munster Senior Cup game. Um, you know, inside the likes of uh, Young Munster against uh, Shannon or Gary Owen or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and then on to the All-Ireland League after that. Very good, very good. And just talk to us a little bit about the process. So when you're when you're dealing with having to referee a big game like that, you know, you're Shannon versus the Cookies, right? Doesn't get much bigger in Limerick back in the day and even to this day. Um, how do you cope with the 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 pressure and the expectation of say I'm going out there to make sure everything goes to plan here and that. I don't have so much of a big role to play that the game just plays itself. How do you kind of manage that, especially maybe for a younger referee listening to this? Yeah, but there are certain things that are entirely in your own grasp. You know, for you, know, you have to know the laws of the game inside out. You have to be able to be fit. Um, and then, you know, there's fantastic support from the IRFU. So there's regular courses that uh, referees would go on uh, at the domestic level. But the further up you go in the professional game, you know, we have to do a lot more analysis of the matches ourselves. Every game or every team that I would be refereeing, there'll be heaps of games. We go on uh, certain websites so that we can look at all the matches in full. We download the games. We cut the games into various areas like scrums and lineouts and the breakdown and so on and so forth. We'd be drawing down trends that teams like to do, how they like to play, certain individuals, uh, who are the players that you need to manage during, during the game and so on. So there's a huge amount of preparation that goes into the, the higher levels of the game. So you know, I feel that I'll have a plan that goes into every match. The closer I stick to the plan, the better that game is going to go for me. And that gives me a great degree of confidence when I'm going into the games here. So, yeah, when I've been involved with teams over the years, George, there would be a lot of, uh, or a big element of, we know who the referee is for this game. These are his tendencies. He's kind of, he's sharp on these things, might let other things go and you kind of plan accordingly. So sounds like there's a good bit of the equivalent on, on your end of the stick for, for players and teams. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, well, as you know, that the game is changing so quickly. Different trends uh, arise, different tactics arise. Um, and as referees, we have to be at the cutting edge of that in the professional game. We have to set the standard that everybody down at domestic level is going to be looking at those games and saying, well, if it's allowed in the professional game, it's going to be allowed in the domestic game. So, you know, we have to be ahead of that. If coaches ask us flat out, is this legal or is it not legal? We have to know what what we're going to answer to that particular question. 
And if you haven't seen a particular incident on the weekend that the coach is asking you about that everybody else knows about, you know, you're going to look a little bit unprofessional, I guess. So yeah. it's our job to keep up to date with, with the trends in the game. Yeah, you really, you really do need to understand the rule book, I suppose, inside and outside, but also exactly like you're saying, each and every game that's going on over the week and if something happened in the Bledisloe Cup and I'm meeting you down the road and you're refereeing a game, what what are your thoughts on that? You, you have to be really keeping an eye on everything. That must be a big challenge to be a referee in, in I suppose, current rugby, yeah? Yeah, and the big thing, I know you mentioned it earlier on, is, is will teams prepare for different referees? And I suppose there might be an element of that going on. But I think as a group, like we are... We are pretty consistent and we meet regularly. We meet um, at least every second week as a group of referees to discuss how the games are going. Um, particular incidents might be raised and we, we do get a, a great degree of consistency as to what we're trying to achieve out on the pitch. How big of a challenge has the, the introduction of more of an emphasis on kind of concussion awareness and concussion management been? Because obviously as a referee, you guys have the final say on whether a player stays on or goes off but has that been kind of that extra responsibility has that been something that's been welcomed in the refereeing community or is it a bit of a burden or how is it viewed amongst your, your peers no absolutely not I mean it's not, not a burden by any manner of means I mean our most important job as a referee is the safety of the players uh, everything else is secondary to that so I'm glad that over the years there has become more of awareness of head injuries um, and referees have been uh, been to many many seminars on that it seems to get a good deal more buy-in from the teams and the team managers and the players themselves now as opposed to before um, so uh, World Rugby has been very proactive on it uh, they've sent out new guidelines and a framework for the, um, at the, for the start of the, this season and the World Cup as regards high tackles and shoulder charges so our game is definitely getting safer and so you're going into you're going into a game now, George. You've got a big game between Munster and Leinster, or something like that, where there's a lot, lot of pressure. There's supporters everywhere. You've obviously got players all getting hyped up for the game. Do you have any kind of habits or little kind of mental preparation techniques that you employ before going out into that pressure cooker environment? Do you have a couple of things that you do that gets you in the kind of right frame of mind, that right headspace? Um, not, not so much. I, I don't get too carried away. You know, with having a set routine. I mean, we obviously want to arrive at a ground at a certain time and things like that. You know, but the thing about it, about it for me that is that I'm I'm diabetic. You know, so my routine is very much guided by that: eating at the right time, making sure that my sugar levels are at the right uh, at the right level during the course of the match and things like that. So I have to retain that degree of flexibility about what I eat and when I eat. So I don't get too carried away with uh, uh, you know having to do a certain thing. Uh, at a certain time before a match. What is the process, uh, George, again, for people who might be too familiar with, with career progression as a, as a referee at your level? So obviously as a player, you know, you have certain jobs to do, perform at a certain level, you, you'll get in the team, but is it purely based on, because it can be a little bit subjective sometimes when you're interpreting the rules, oh, he made the correct decision or there was a bit of room for error there. How is there a panel who reviews performance and then you kind of get bumped up along the way or, or how does that work? Yeah, there's a, a massive review uh, after every game. So, from my own, obviously, as a, as a as a professional referee yourself, you look at the game yourself. You do your own self analysis. Yeah. In addition to that, there would be a coach from the IRFU that will look at that game for you. Further to that, then you'll have the referee manager. So, in 
in Pro 14 that will be somebody like Greg Garner. Oh yeah, okay. And he will he will he will look at the game for you as well. And then you've other inputs coming from the coaches of both teams that were involved in the game. There's an opportunity for them to feedback how they thought the game went from a refereeing perspective as well. So you're getting you're getting a massive amount of data in the in the couple of days following every game. You got to sift through that. Uh, then we have an online system that we complete the review process. There'll be clips flying here and there, um, and we will get a kind of a summary of of the overall performance. Ideally, if your match is on a Friday or a Saturday afternoon, the whole uh, review process should be done and dusted by uh, by Tuesday evening. So you're getting just as much constructive feedback and analytics as any player would be getting, if not more. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, it's it's, it's incredible. Uh, the beauty of being a rugby referee, though, is that you can hear your voice, you know, so all the decisions can be explained. Uh, the more you explain your decisions and they make sense to everybody, the better the game is going to go for you. So, you know, there's, there's the decision-making, but there's also the presentation as to, yes, the decision was correct, but did it make sense in the course of the game and did everybody understand it? So there's, there's that little balance that you have to get all the time in these matches. Yeah, okay. Talk to us a little bit about the difference maybe in, in approaching a game when, say, you're, you're the head referee and then you have your, your assistants or your touchies there. Kind of how, does, how does that kind of work in terms of um, your setup maybe or, the, I suppose, the, the complexity of that when you've got your two touchies and you've got your, your head and you've got your TMO there up in the box looking at everything? How does that work when you have a different role? So, again, you'll you know earlier on who your team of four, as we would call it, for this game is going to be. Now, before every match, I'll have uh, a template of what I want to achieve in the game. I'll have that done in a PowerPoint presentation. Um, and yeah, I can tweak it then. Like 90, 80 or 90% of it stays the same for every match, as you could imagine. Yeah. But based on the reviews and the previews you'd have done of the teams, you'll tweak that based on the teams that are involved on the weekend. And I'll email that out to my team of four before the game so that everybody has a very clear idea of what it is that we're trying to achieve out there. And, and then we travel to the game. We travel yeah. to the game together. We, we fly together. Uh, there'll be a formal meeting amongst the team of four there. We'll discuss various issues, what we're expecting on the day, um, just as regards particularly communication. If there's something that I need to know there as a referee, how is that information going to be communicated to me? What kind of words exactly are we going to use? What's the stuff we're going to be looking out for? Uh, so hopefully that when it gets out there on the day, the whole thing looks as seamless as possible. And talk to us a little bit about, you went there about the presentation, 80 or 90%, like, like what a lot of people do, can be consistent or there's a lot of similarities from game to game. But just without giving away um, the secret in the soup, what are some of those common denominators maybe that would be on a presentation, two or three pointers that you'd be saying, this is kind of how I tend to like to referee my games. And this is the message I try to employ with my remaining three that forms the team of four going into a game. Yeah, it can be very simple at times, you know. It can be very simple as regards even our own scrum, for example. Uh, The big thing that we're looking for is stability. Um, And this this thing for the start of the new season is actually loading uh, on the front rows. Um, So if teams are pre-engaged, how am I going to manage that? What words are, is it exactly that I'm going to use? What am I going to say to them at the next scrum? Am I going to sanction at the first scrum or am I going to manage at the first scrum? Uh, or I'll give you another example of the, the line-out. Ideally, you want to throw directly in front of the uh, assistant referee. 
what, what if he's standing half a step to one side? Are you going to leave that go? And where's your level of tolerance there? So it's you know it's all those little things that you'll have to discuss with your with your team of four. That's all going to be in the presentation that you're going to give to the team of four, uh, and so that you're you're not scrambling when you get out there try, trying to decide well what's going to happen here. Everything is working towards a plan. Yeah, we anticipated that there was going to be a problem here, and now we're working through the process to solve it. I suppose you'd even have something there as like the law of advantage, kind of when do we say actually bring it back, it's a penalty, or do we keep playing phase after phase and it's after actually six phases, no, it's back to a penalty. Because that's something that sometimes when I'm watching a game with my dad, we'd be like, it can go back to a penalty, but they've been playing for two minutes. It, that's, a, that's a hard one sometimes, probably. Oh, it is, yeah. And that's one of the areas of the referee that you have a wide area of discretion on. Um, yeah, look, every referee will will have different uh, ideas of when advantage should be played and, and when it shouldn't. Um, and World Rugby, I think, I won't say encourages it, but we're, we're, uh, we have been getting more consistent on it. And I know, for example, if there's, if there's, uh, if there's pe- penalties in kickable areas and, and scores don't arise from it, the professional rugby teams always like to come, be able to come back and kick the three points if that opportunity is there. Yeah, for sure. So, George, if, if you were um, sitting down and have a, a chat with a young referee just started out at the start of their career and they're aspiring to get to the level you're currently refereeing at. What are the what are the kind of little nuggets of advice you give them in terms of, you know, you need to do this physically, you need to be develop these kind of skills mentally, you need to develop X, Y, and Z. What are the, the key points you would tell them to focus on? Yeah, well, I mentioned earlier the, the things that are in your own grasp would be knowledge of the laws of the game and fitness. But the more opportunities you get to spend with experienced referees I know from when I was coming up through the ranks I was learning as an AR for the likes of um, Alain Roland and Alan Lewis and Dave McHugh Dolan Courtney all guys who were on the international panel so you know whenever they came to Limerick for example refereeing all our league games I made sure I was going to be a touch judge for them on the day mm. you pick up an absolute load from the from the practical side of it yeah. um, and the other advice I give to, to lads who are, who are refereeing in, in in rugby or any sport really is, is that degree of resilience you know because oftentimes things don't go your way you're feeling bad about things uh, you're wondering you know uh, you might have had a bad experience with regard to uh, abuse on the field or off the field or something like that you know but these things have a tendency to, to even themselves out and certainly rugby refereeing for me has been a massive massive net positive okay. I love that would, would you find yourself being able to separate your kind of professional from your personal life easily because obviously the referees can be a target of a lot of online criticism if a decision doesn't go a certain way is that something that you can just ignore and go well I applied the laws as I saw them or is there is it hard to shake off the self self doubt sometimes well I'm I'm not on social media for a start so I find that mm-hmm. I can manage to to park an awful lot of that but if I make a mistake I know I make, I've made that mistake and as I outlined to you earlier on there's a pretty rigorous review process there so if a mistake is made like there's no question that it's going to be ignored and there's no doubt like if, if, if I make a mistake uh, or a cost the team again like that's I'm gutted you know like like you know I'm, I'd be the same as a player going around in bad form for the week you know it takes a lot to, to shake it off uh, there's that professional pride at players like that. Uh, you don't want to make any mistakes. I know that might be a perception out there that referees just hop into the car and uh, they forget about it. 
definitely not the case. So, so obviously, in order to minimize those chances, and you, there's obviously so much preparation, not just from yourself, but from your team, <clears> from <throat> your coaches, from the IRFU around, to make sure that George Clancy continues to referee good games. How can the game be made a little bit easier for a referee? We've seen, we've seen rugby evolve immensely since it became professional, but from a refereeing perspective, is there anything you can think of that in the next five or ten years, if that happened, you know, it'd make my game, it'd make my life a little bit easier for me on the pitch? In fairness to World Rugby, they introduce new laws and new interpretations every couple of seasons. You know, we have to be up with that. Um, and I know from from practical experience that sometimes when you introduce a law, it has unintended consequences further down the line with another part of the law. I'm very excited by some of the proposals that are in there. Uh, for World Rugby with regards to say the, the 40-20 rule you know if you kick the touch from inside your own 10 metre line and it goes into touch in the far 22 that you get the line out put in after that Yeah, I think that might be a very good idea there's other mm. ones that uh, you know if the ball is held up in in goal by the attacking team that the defence get a goal line drop out that okay. will that might uh, you know speed the game up a little bit more uh, so I, I, you know, I'll be very interested in seeing how those, those trials go I think they will help us alright and, and, with, and with those potential um, advancements in the game that could make the game maybe easier to watch or better, um, and the IRB are coming up with these new interpretations of the rule, you know, pause set engage or rules of engagement on a scrum, how much of a say does the referee panel have with the IRB into trying to develop the new rules, or, or do they have a say there? They would have a say for sure, yeah. And then Land, an Irishman, is the head of... Uh the World Rugby referees, and he would have a say in the. I mean, there's no point in introducing a new law or a new interpretation if practically it can't be delivered on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so we, so we, we, we would have a say, and oftentimes we come up with suggestions ourselves as to how how the game might uh, might, might work a little better. So just to, to flip that on you now, George, so we talked about what kind of could make the game a bit better, but I'm going to give you a hypothetical about what would happen if the game was made a bit worse. So rugby is obviously, it's a sport where as an outsider, it seems there's a lot of respect between players and referee. So the captain comes in and there seems to always be that, that high level of respect. But if you had a situation where you wake up tomorrow and now you're a, referee, you're a football referee where you've got players coming up at you and they're a little bit more in your face, how do you feel you would handle that? Or what, what tactics would you... What tactics as a rugby referee do you think could be applied to other sports, say particularly football, which is viewed as having that as more of an issue, the respect with referees? I know, yeah, lads, uh, you know, I, 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 that's, that's pitched at me a little bit, all right, and it can be very easy for us in the in rugby union to, to start sounding very preachy to other sports, and that's something that I certainly want to avoid. But I can see, for example, the introdu- introduction of the VAR in football, and there's talks of introducing the VAR in, in Gaelic games as well, or some form of a TMO. We, we, like, we've been through all this 10 years ago, some of the... Uh, teething problems that have been involved in, with, with VAR. Um, again, there's, there's laws of unintended consequences which you see in the in the Premier League right now. Uh, you know, I, I don't really know what else I can say to you on that, lads. Oh, no, that's good, that's yeah. good. Now, George, look, you're definitely a humble man, right? We, we know that very well. But I'd like you just to tell our listeners, especially people listening across the pond in the States or Australia or places like that, 
tell them tell us all a little bit about some highlights you've had in your career to date as a rugby referee some things that you can really say oh that was a a really great moment for me i really enjoyed being there at that time you mentioned already like a career holiday for sure would have been to referee the opening game of the 2011 world cup yeah. uh, that was that, that was that was a fantastic occasion there i remember we're staying in in downtown auckland um fantastic apartments down there by the waterfront but i remember opening up the the window and looking out and there must have been like a quarter of a million people down there on the waterfront yeah yeah uh, just there as a celebration of world rugby you know everybody that was wearing they were all wearing their different color jerseys their argentina jerseys their georgia jerseys yeah. it wasn't just new zealand and tonga and it kind of really struck me that day you know that i'm part of something much bigger than than just the 80 minutes that are going to take place later on this evening and i suppose you know as a as a youngster growing up the two biggest matches for me would have been looking at television would have been New Zealand against South Africa and uh, England against France and I'm luckily enough I've managed to referee both those fixtures in, in Six Nations and uh, in the Rugby Championship so you know I've, I've, I've ticked a lot of boxes as to what I would have liked to referee I have to say they've, they've been uh, fantastic memories um, the other thing is that I've got to see the world so you know I've been to Japan I've been to Fiji I've been to uh, to George, as I mentioned earlier on, Romania. You know, I've, I've travelled the world, um, and rugby has been very good to me, both uh, on and off the field. Very, good. very good. It's impressive, impressive list of accomplishments there. Um, George, just to to wrap up, we normally give most of our guests a, a couple of quick fire questions just to get their thoughts on a few performance related matters. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to get your perspective on these. But how would you define high performance as a term? What would that kind of mean to you in in within the the realm that you operate in? It's uh, it's being prepared the whole time. So it's it, it's dominating your, your thoughts. So for me, uh, being a professional referee is I'm always thinking about how my day is structured and how whatever it is I'm doing is pointing towards getting the best when I start to blow the whistle at, at the first uh, game of, the, of this season. Everything is geared towards that. My, my diet, my mental prep, all the seminars I go to, downtime, the whole lot. Uh, that for me is just, it's, it's the mindset and attitude that's the biggest part of uh, being part of a, of a high performance uh, unit. Very good. And now on to our second question, George. If you ever had to deal with an instance on a pitch or off the pitch when something didn't quite go to plan, because you are someone that obviously prepares physically and mentally, what, what do you do to reset or, or um, get back into a positive space if something didn't quite go yeah. as planned? Like that does happen from time to time. I mean, I've, I've made mistakes during the course of matches and I thought I was doing the right thing at the time. It's only afterwards that I realised I was wrong. So in those situations, that's not an issue. But there are times when you're going, oof, maybe I didn't get that right. Uh, and that's where experience comes in. You know, you, the reset button is, is pressed and it's just the next decision that I'm going to make here. So, you know, as we, if it's after a score, as we're walking back to the halfway line, I'm just going to get the next decision right. I'm going to get the next decision right, whether it's a knock-on or an offside or a high tackle, whatever. It's just focus exactly on the next thing. Just pack whatever's gone and go again. And that's something even that in the course of a match that I would always do. So after 15 or 20 minutes of every game, there might be an opportunity, there might be an injury, or there might be a kick a goal or something like that. But I'll just get a couple of seconds to myself to say, well, how is this game going for me right now? Is there something that is there player behaviour that I need to change? How are the scrums going? How are the lineouts going? Is is there a quick rock ball? What do I need to be doing here? Just uh, 
you know, just a health check after 15 or 20 minutes to make sure what's what's happening in the game. So I'm always constantly resetting, not just in the case of a mistake being made. Very good. And then lastly, lastly for me, George, so 20, 30 years down the road, you're, you're back down Limerick walking into, into Munchens or sitting in the Bruff Clubhouse or something like that and you're just reflecting on your career. What would you like your legacy to be as, as a rugby referee? What, what kind of mark do you see yourself leaving on the sport? Oh, jeez, that's... Tough one for you. Uh, <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> well, I'm not at the end of it yet, so it's, it's, yeah. you know, it's a bit of... It's, it, it's hard to say, you know. Even, even how things stand at the moment, I think I have made a contribution to the game because yeah. I've pressed, uh, I'm going to say, about 300 professional matches, you know. So the nice thing is that people still seem to want my services. You know, if, if I wasn't that good or... If, you know, if I wasn't producing the goods, I, I certainly wouldn't have lasted it that long, you know. So, you know, hopefully I didn't own off too many people along the way as well, you know. I think people would like to say that uh, I, I didn't try and insert myself too much into into matches. Just went out there and did my job, as you said, in, in, in a humble uh, and a professional way as possible. And George, last one for me before we wrap up. Myself and Connor, we're about to head out for lunch and actually meet my mom. And... If you could give us a life lesson, something that you've learned from all your travels and all the people and players and family members you've met through the years, what life lesson will you give the two of us today to take from this call? Enjoy it. I know, look, you kind of get caught up in the cliches here, lads, but enjoy every minute of it. I, I make sure that I enjoy every minute of every day. You know, I'm always focused on that. Even when I'm relaxing, I know that it's, I'm relaxing for a certain reason. It, it means that I, the next thing I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be hitting it at 100 miles an hour. So, you know, live, live every day as it comes. George Clancy, international rugby referee. Thank you very much for coming on our podcast today with myself and Connor. You're someone that's always checking in on the health of, of your game that you're refereeing each and every each and every minute at any point in time that you can. You've had such a successful career to date and the two of us only are wishing you the best for more success and health and wellness going forward for many, many more years. So thanks very much for taking the call. I appreciate it. Cheers, guys. Thanks a lot.